Hey everyone, welcome back to Navigating Your 20s. This is your host, Scott Rockman, and I'm so excited to be back for another episode about budgeting and the psychology behind our spending and budgeting. So for this episode, I am joined by the two Sarahs. Yes, there are two of them. First, we have Sarah Metzger, who is a certified educator in personal finance. Sarah is going to talk a lot about the specific categories that go into your budgeting, the percentage breakdown, which I learned so much from. And then we also have Sarah DeWolf, who is a certified personal finance counselor and licensed social worker. And so she's going to go into the psychology behind retail therapy, friends who make more money and shame you for how much you're spending and how to handle those situations. So there is so much to learn from this episode and I hope you all enjoy. All right. So the first question I wanted to ask you both is what is the suggested budget breakdown for people in their 20s? I know a lot of people are graduating. They're going to start making a full-time income and they're confused about how much of that should be going to food, to housing, to transportation. Do you have any suggestions for that breakdown? A really common beginner breakdown for a budget is this 50-30-20 model. And the way this model works is it's set up for you to allocate 50% of your money, 50% of your net income so that after-tax income going towards your needs, your rent, your regular utility bills, groceries, things like that. 30% of your income is going to the things that you want, the fun stuff, vacation, entertainment costs, going out to eat. That's really going to vary by person. And then 20% of that remaining income can go towards savings and debt payments. So if you are a young person with student loan debt, you are very intentionally carving out space in your budget to meet the debt payments, to meet those financial obligations. I also want to add that it's really going to vary um, depending on the person, depending on life circumstances. It really depends on where you live, what your salary is going to be. So for example, if you're if you're living in a city, you're probably not going to have a car, depending on the situation and the circumstances. You might be using public transportation a lot. You're not going to be allocating as much towards, or anything really, towards gas or towards car insurance, towards maintenance. You're going to be allocating towards like subway payments, for example. Your payments for rent, though, might be a lot higher there than it would be in a more rural area. So those are some things to consider. That was really well said, Sarah, and I will make a final addition to say that a lot of professionals in this work are going to recommend that everybody try to cap housing costs to 30% of their income, and you kind of fill this out within that bucket of 50, 30, 20. Everyone's budget needs to add up to 100%. So you have 100% of your income to spend. If you are spending beyond 100%, which is entirely possible if you have a credit card or a line of credit, that's a slippery slope. We want to be mindful of keeping our budget and our spending within 100% of the available money that we have, within 100% of our paycheck. And we set up these expense categories as guide rails to ensure that we are spending our dollars appropriately. Absolutely. You're so right. You want to make sure that you're being intentional about how you're spending your paycheck. And I think what's also helpful is you can use online resources. You can look at cost of living calculators just to see what other people are spending in these categories in a city that you live or you're moving to. So when you're planning for your life, when you're planning how much you're going to save or how much you should be allocating to housing when you're looking for a new place to live, it's great to really intentionally think about these categories, but also look at the averages so you understand where your money's going to and you're not overspending. So I know you just said that we should be saving around 10% minimum, hopefully 20% of our paycheck. I've heard people throw around an emergency fund before, and I'm wondering how much should we be putting in an emergency fund? Everyone should aim to save at least three months worth of their minimum living expenses in their emergency fund. And the easiest 
easiest way really to figure out how much that three months is, is by creating a budget and figuring out what your essentials cost you. Rent, utilities, grocery, car payments, things like that, that you really can't live without. So calculate that for one month and then multiply that by three and then aim to save that much money in your savings account. This is especially helpful for folks who are full-time in the workforce that may unexpectedly be laid off from work. And when you are in a period of unemployment and you are trying to look for a new job and deal with that clear financial and professional emergency that's just suddenly come up, you don't want to have to rely on credit cards and sustaining yourself via debt, you want to be able to tap into an emergency fund to get you through that period of unemployment. So I know that we've just talked about how to break down your budget. We've talked about saving. We've talked about an emergency fund. And I'm so intrigued by the psychology behind budgeting and what's holding people back. So a lot of friends of mine, you know, they admit that they very much lean into retail therapy and other bad spending habits. So I'm wondering, do you have any tips for people to break those spending habits? From a psych perspective, some of these bad spending habits can be explained by the science of happiness. There's a super interesting concept, hedonic adaptation, or you may have heard it called the hedonic treadmill, which can also help to explain why we make purchases that make us feel better because they actually do make us feel better, but only for a short time. Basically, we each have a baseline of happiness that's biologically determined. About 50% is biological and we can't change it. About 10% is affected by life circumstances and 40% is intentional activity. So buying something that makes us feel good works for a short time, but we typically return to our baselines. It's things like retail therapy are considered short-term pleasures. There is a way to kind of break this by focusing on what's called gratifications. And those are things that bring us more fulfillment like hobbies or art or meditation. And by including some of these short-term pleasures and rotating them so they feel new and also including gratifications, making time for our hobbies and finding time for others, these things can help kind of break this bad spending habit. So what you're saying is that people who lean into retail therapy and some of these other binge spending habits might be getting these quick dopamine hits that make them feel good, right? You're having a bad day, you've gone through a breakup and you go buy $100 worth of clothes to make yourself feel better, but it's only giving you a little dopamine hit that's short-lived and then you're going to go back to that baseline, right? Yes, exactly. So one thing that I've seen that's been difficult for a lot of friends of mine is going out and spending beyond their means. There's a lot of peer pressure to spend time with friends, especially if you're living in a city where you're spending a lot of money and it can be difficult to set those boundaries. So I'm wondering, what have you seen with people having this pressure to spend money beyond their own paycheck? Yeah, that's actually really common. There was a study done recently that found that 40% of those that are in their late teens to their early 30s actually go into debt to keep up up with their friends' lifestyles. Oh my gosh. See, that's crazy to me because, you know, peer pressure is a real thing. FOMO is a real thing. But having that drive you into debt is crazy to me. And I just wonder too, if we were more intentional about having conversations with our friends, what changes we could make when it comes to spending. And I know a fear for a lot of people is that what if their friends make more money than them and they don't understand their budget constraints? So do you have any suggestions for how to handle situations like that where you try and tell a friend, hey, you know, I'm trying to save money. I don't really want to allot all of this for going on this weekend trip or I don't want to go out tonight. I'm trying to have a chill night and not spend a lot of money. What if they don't respect those boundaries? It doesn't matter if they don't understand your budget because it's not their budget, it's your budget. And if you have friends that are telling you to spend more money than you actually have, that's a pretty toxic relationship. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that one thing I'm very passionate about is having transparent conversations with friends about money. A lot of the time, you know, we're putting on a face and we're putting on this show to try and seem like we have it all together. I think a lot of people try and do that in their 20s, but it's okay when you are starting at a low salary or it's okay that you don't want to spend money even if you have it to do a certain activity. That's the whole purpose of budgeting, right? It's intentionally deciding what you want to spend, how you want to allocate your money based on your financial needs. And I love that you just said that that is a toxic friendship. If you have friends where you try and set a boundary and they don't understand or don't give you that respect based on what you want to do with your paycheck, then that might be time to start moving on or to have a really in-depth conversation with them and say, this is not what I want out of this friendship. We've talked about in past episodes, what makes a good friend? Respect is number one, right? If they don't respect you and your boundaries, it's time to let that go. Yeah, I actually really like that you said that having transparent financial conversations with friends is really important to you because another thing with this is let's say that they're just spending a lot of money. So you're assuming that they're making a lot of money. That may not be true. They might be going into debt. Yeah, exactly. And you look at that FOMO statistic that you brought out, right? I mean, people are clearly going into debt in order to make themselves look good for their peers. And that's horrible. That is a societal issue that we need to fix. And I really hope that this podcast can inspire some people out there to have an open conversation with a friend, with a roommate, with a family member about your salary, how you want to spend it. And who knows, maybe someone will share insight that might help you develop a budget. You never know. It's all about having that conversation. Hey, everyone. I really just want to thank you all for listening to this podcast. It means the world to have your support. And if you really like this episode, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps us grow the podcast. We're currently in 60-something countries. It's been blowing up, and I really appreciate everyone for listening. Have a great day.